do have something I believe the Lord has put on my heart. Today we're kicking off a brand new series. And this series ties in directly with what we're doing as a church. The theme of the year is this is the year of better days. We're pursuing holistic health as a family, as church families, as individuals. And to the title of this series is real simple. Um, I always, we always try to have like a play on words with series titles or something catchy, but there's really nothing catchy about this series title. It's simply healthy relationships. And before anybody panics and thinks, oh great, I'm not married, he's going to talk about marriages, that's not what this series is about. This, mar- this series is for all relationships. And my goal with this series is to teach us what a healthy relationship looks like. Why? So we can experience better days relationally. And as I said, when I speak of relationships in this, spe- in this series, I'm talking about relationships in the workplace, the school, the church. How I many you know we could probably use some help in the relationships in the church? You know, I-, I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you're single. I don't care if you're a millennial, a boomer, or a buster. I believe all of us in this room can probably use some help in our relationships. And my goal today is to give you some tips or some hints on how to have some healthy relationships. I want to use that directly from Scripture. The key verse for this entire series, there's three verses for this entire series, it's kind of what we're building this series off of, is found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40, when Jesus was asked the question, hey teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list, the number two, but there's a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands, Scripture says, are pegs. They hold it all up. They're the tent pegs that hold up what we do. Love God, love others. And I've discovered that the key to loving others, the key to healthy relationships with others, the key to a healthy marriage, the key to healthy friendships, the key to healthy um, peer-to-peer relationships, and so on. The key is a healthy relationship with God. The key is a friendship with God. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. I want to talk with you today about how to be God's friend. If you have your Bible, I have a verse that kind of is my emphasis verse for today's message. And it's found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 21. I'm reading this from the Living Bible, so you can mark this or you can write it down. But it says this, some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. Now, you may know sports scores. I know some of you, I could ask you who was five years ago NFL MVP and you could quote it. You may know stock market quotes. You may know if Dow is up or if Dow is down. You may know it down to the exact number. You may know recipes. I might be able to say, hey, how do you make this? And you can quote it off in, my head, in your head. I remember my grandma Blanchett. I'd say, Grandma, how do you make this? And she said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, do you have a recipe? No. I just put a little bit of this and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it turns out. And guess what? She did a great time every time until she got older and she made cinnamon rolls and put salt in them and said sugar. They weren't so great. But anyway, but you may know recipes. You may know friends. You may know celebrities. You may know gossip. But do you know God? You see, the most important thing in life is knowing God. Before we dive any further, I want to pray over you today. Father, I come before you and I ask you today, all across this room, front to back, side to side, I pray that you minister in this room. 
I ask you today, Father, would you give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech as I deliver your word, as I speak today? Would you give all of us ears to hear and a heart to respond to your word? And would you do something special today? In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Hey, if you're not a note taker, please take notes today. If uh, you say, why do I want you to take notes? Because I believe that when we take notes, it, it, it does something inside of us. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I forget things. So I want to remember things of what God is speaking to me. And I believe this message is directly from God for this church. So I encourage you to take notes. If you're not a note taker, grab your phone. There's a record button on there. Hit record and go back and listen to this because I believe that strongly in this message. I want to start off by asking you a question. And the question is this, how do you become a friend of God? How do you become a close friend? friend of God. Better yet, how do you become God's best friend? Does God really care about that? Does God really care if I'm his friend? Does God have any desire of that? What kind of relationship does God want with me? Have you ever stopped to think about that? I know what kind of relationship. I, I want God to bless me. I, know what, I want him, but what kind of relationship does God want with me? You know, your relationship with God has many aspects, many dimensions. God's not just one thing in your life. He's your father. He's your creator. He's your redeemer. He's your savior. He's our Lord. He's our master. He's our healer. I mean, we could just go down this list. He's our provider. We could just go down this list of all these things that God is for us and in our lives. But you know, one of the most amazing things for me that God is for me, is God wants to be your friend. Think about that. God wants to be your friend. I mean, that's incredible to me. Before we go much further, though, to understand the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us, I think we need to go back to the beginning of time and find God's original intent for mankind. You see, when we go back all the way to the beginning, we see Adam and Eve in the garden. We see Adam and Eve. This is before sin. And Adam and Eve enjoyed an incredible relationship with God. They walked with him. They talked with him. There was intimacy. They, they knew his heart. I mean, it was just intimate communion with God. He was there all the time. There was no religion. There was no ritual. There wasn't protocol. It was just about relationship. It was simply a deep friendship or a deep intimate relationship between the creator and his created. It was God's original intent for mankind. It's God, it's still God's desire for us today. Just a simple, loving, intimate friendship between God and man. That's what God desires for you. But as we see in the book of Genesis, sin came in and sin messed all of that up. Sin destroyed relationships, all relationships, not just between God and man. Sin destroyed all relationships. But Jesus, and I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful that Jesus came in and changed relationships. Not only did Jesus change relationships, he radically changed relationships for all mankind. From, for, throughout history, he changed relationships. You see, when Jesus died on the cross... When he died on the cross for our sins, Scripture tells us that there was a veil. That, and you say, Pastor Chad, what is this veil that you speak of? Well, as we look at the Old Testament, 
And as we gaze upon it, we can see that there was not a whole lot of people that were friends of God. They, they didn't have this deep, intimate friendship with God. You can look throughout it, but sin destroyed that in the Old Testament. And you see, a, quite, you see a few people such as Abraham or Job or Enoch or Moses or David who might have been considered a friend. But for the most part, there was no friendship with God. There was, there was, if you were to describe Old Testament relationships, you would maybe say more like fear and guilt rather than love and friendship. It was more of this separation. You said, Pastor Chad, there was separation. Yes, there was separation between God and the people. There would have been one man, a high priest, who would have been able to access God's presence. And he would go into the temple. He would go into wherever that might be. And he would, but, this, but he couldn't just go in any time he wanted to. He would have to prepare days, weeks, months in advance for one moment, one opportunity to be in God's presence. And he would prepare and he would go in and God would speak to him in that place and that priest would deliver what God is saying to the people. It's like Moses going to the mountain, getting the Ten Commandments and coming down and telling the people. It wasn't for all people. It was just one man. Well, this there was this most holy place in this outer course in essence. And so when Jesus is hanging now on this cross and it says when he said it is finished and he died that veil was ripped from the top to the bottom symbolizing that the separation that had been between God and man for now thousands of years was now split in two what it was saying is because of Jesus you and I we now have direct access to God our father because of Jesus we can go directly into the throne room of God I don't have to prepare for days or weeks or months or years to have one moment it doesn't matter if I've been doing good, if I've been doing bad. All I need to do is call on the name of Jesus. And because of him, I have direct access to God. In the Old Testament, they didn't. But today, because of Jesus, I can walk into the throne room of God any day, any time, any place. I can fall on my knees and I can say, Father God, I need you. I don't have to worry about, is he going to strike me dead? Because Jesus already paid that price. Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. So when Jesus died on the cross, he changed humanity throughout the ages of times. And because of Jesus, we can now be God's friend. I don't know if that excites anybody else but it excites me. Scripture actually says it this way in Romans 5, 10 through 11. We were restored to friendship with God by the death of His Son. So if something is restored, it had to have been broken. Well, where was it broken? In the garden. Who broke it? Who restored it? Jesus. Listen to that. We were restored to friendship with God by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies. I love that. So we will certainly be delivered by etern from eternal punishment by his life. Now listen, now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. All because of what Jesus has done in making us, listen to this, friends of God. Jesus made it possible for you to be a friend of God. Because of Jesus, you can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough to deserve it. 
You can't go to church enough. You can't do enough Hail Marys. You can't bribe God. You can't bargain with God. The only way that we can have this gift of freedom with God is through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And we accept that gift and say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life. Let me say it another way. God's grace plus Jesus' sacrifice equals friendship. Write that down. God's grace plus Jesus' sacrifice equals friendship. Because of what God did, God sent his son. Because of what Jesus did, he went willingly for us. We now can have friendship with God. And in John 15, verse 15, I love what it says. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but instead I call you friends. Do you realize how incredible that is? My goal today is that this message captures your heart. Do you realize how incredible that is? That the God of the universe would say to you, I want to be your friend. The creator of the world looks at you and says, I want to be your friend. Now in John 15, 15, when Jesus says, I call you friends, the original Greek, listen to me, the original Greek does not mean Jesus says, I call you a casual acquaintance. I have people in my life that are casual acquaintances. I know them, but they're not friends. Jesus was not saying, I want you, I call you my casual acquaintance. No, Jesus, that word there means a deep, intimate friendship. Actually, it's kind of taken us back to the original intent of mankind. I call you, in essence, Adam and Eve before the garden, before sin. That's what he's really saying, is I call you my deep, intimate friend. Think about that. God wants to be your friend. So the question is, how important is that to God? How important is it to God that we actually become his friend? Is, is it even important? Does God really care? Well, I believe he does. Exodus 34, 14 says, He is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. God is passionate about his relationship with you. Another translation, or let me kind of just, a Chad Blancet paraphrase of other translations says it this way. When you put other things in front of God, you break his heart. Exodus 34, 14, go read it from different translations. Another one says it's something like this. When you put other gods, what do I mean other gods? God of money, God of popularity, God of sex, God of success, God of fame, prestige, possessions, whatever it might be. When you put other gods, small gods, not a capital God, but when you put other things in front of the one true God, guess what you do? You break his heart. It actually says he is jealous for you. So how important is a relationship with God for you? Very He's jealous for you. He's passionate about a relationship with you. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 gives us even more clarity on what God is looking for from us. He says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Can you hear the passion in God's heart for you as his child? God wants you to know him and to love him. That's his desire for you. That's honestly the ultimate purpose of your life is to know God and to love God. And people say, no, Pastor Chad, my purpose is to serve others. Well, that's a part of your purpose, but you can't serve others until you know and love God. You can't effectively, biblically serve others until you know and love God. The ultimate purpose of your life is to know God and to love God. And then when you know Him, and then when you begin to love Him, then you can 
go and make him known and serve others. But the ultimate purpose of humanity is to know God and to love God. That's why God created us in the garden from the very beginning of time. God wanted to be in relationship with you. Sin stopped it. Jesus changed it. God wants to be in relationship with you. Nothing is more important than you to be in a deep, intimate, personal relationship with God. You can be famous. You can be successful. You can be a pastor. You can have it all together. Your world can be crumbling in around you. But if you don't know God and love God, you're missing the mark. God's ultimate desire is that you know Him and love Him. I love what Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through 27 from the message says. Listen to these words. Starting from scratch, God made the entire human race, and he made the earth. Listen to this. This is how much God wants to be with you. I think sometimes, listen to me, if somebody in this room, I just feel like, Lord, if somebody in this room is feeling depression, or not loved, or not valuable, or not desired, or not wanted, if you feel like you're a mistake or a failure, I want you to listen to this verse. This tells how much God loves you. I don't, you say, well, I don't care what God says. No, the most important person in your life is God. I don't know. I just felt that in my heart. Somebody in this room is in today feeling depressed and discouraged and, I, and, and maybe feeling of little value in life. I want you to hear what God thinks of you. Starting from scratch, God made the entire human race and he made the earth. Listen to this. God made it hospitable. What's that mean? With plenty of time and space for living. What's that mean? God made the earth livable. Why? So that you could seek him. Do you hear me? God made planet Earth livable, breathable. I have oxygen. Why? So I can know Him. But listen to what it continues on. It says, so I wouldn't stumble around in the dark, but that I would actually find Him. God made the Earth for you. You know, God's into the long game. God doesn't think short game. I think short game. I have no patience. I'm like, I'm not thinking, hey, I'm going to build the earth so that people can live and breathe 2,500 years from now, 1,000 years from now, 10,000. I'm thinking, I need something now. No, God says, I'm going to build earth so I can then create man, so I can be in relationship with man, but I've got to create the earth so that they can live and breathe and be in relationship with me. Think about that. God wants to be in relationship with you. God designed the earth with you in mind. So what I want to do today, very quickly, is I want to give you four ways that we can start building a friendship with God. Four ways we can start building a friendship with God. Number one, and again, I ask you to take notes, mark this down, write it down. Make knowing God my number one priority. How can I have a friendship with God? Number one, I've got to make knowing God my ultimate priority. It's number one. Listen to me, I want you to write this down. You will never become a friend of God in your spare time. Can I say it again? You will never become a friend of God in your spare time. If all you do is give God your leftovers, you will never become a friend of God. I could stop and drop the mic right there. You will never become a friend of God in your spare time. I quote this verse a lot at Destiny Church, and we'll quote it to the day I die, but Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek Him first. My goal with this message today, my goal is that daily, you would make knowing God and loving God your ultimate priority. My goal is that you would make knowing God and loving God a habit. Not a, not a to-do that you mark off of your list to say it's done. 
but that you make it a habit so that you know God and love God. That is my goal of this message, that I create such a hunger and such a, uh, an awakening inside your heart that today's message in this series says, man, i got to know God. I want you to experience better days relationally. And if you want to experience better days relationally with God and with others, then I encourage you, love God and know God. Love God and know God. I love what Paul said in Philippians 3.8. Everything else is worthless compared to knowing Jesus. Everything else is worthless compared to the gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He goes on and he says, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I might not know Jesus. Another translation actually says, I consider everything else poop <laughs> compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing who Christ Jesus is. Scripture has some neat stuff in it. Read it. <laughs> Jeremiah 29.13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I ask you today, are you doing that? I want everyone in the room to close their eyes. And I want you to ask yourself that question. Am I doing that? Am I seeking God with all of my heart? Take 10 seconds and reflect on that. Answer that to yourself. Am I seeking God with all my heart? I'll tell you. I can't answer that for you, but I can answer that for me. And I would say my answer would have to be sadly no. As I looked at this message and I reflected, I was like, ah, no, I'm not doing that enough. I'm not as close to God as I want to be. Write this down. I want you to catch this right here. I want you to write this down. I'm as close to God as I choose to be. You're as close to God as you choose to be. You can't blame anyone else. I've heard people, being a pastor, uh, this is my favorite thing. And if, you've, if you're thinking about this or if you're considering this, Lord, help us all. But I hate when people come and say, Pastor Chad, we're going to leave the church because we're just not getting fed enough here. You know who's not feeding enough? You. It's my job to help you, but you know whose job it is to feed you throughout the week? It's your job. You can't blame anyone else if you're not close enough to God. You choose how close you are to God. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame your kids. You can't blame your upbringing. You can't blame kids' ministry. You can't blame the traffic. If you're not as close to God as you want to be, guess who moved? You moved. If you're not as close to God today as you were when you were 16, guess who moved? Not God, you moved. If you're not as close to God today as you were last Sunday, guess who moved? You moved. You. You made a choice. I'm not going to make God my number one priority. You made that choice. I'm not going to love God and know God as much as I should. You're as close to God as you want to be. And if you're not where you want to be, you're the one who moved. And nothing in this world is more important than knowing God. Number two, talking about ways to build a friendship with God. Number one, make knowing God your number one priority. Number two, slow down and shut up. Maybe we can say it a little more politically correct. Slow down and be quiet. A friendship with God is like any other friendship. Please hear me. You have to slow down and make time for your friends. Hear me. If you don't slow down, and make time for your friends, they're no longer going to be your friends. 
Well, I've got other things on my agenda. Well, that's fine. That person's no longer going to be your friend. And you're going to lose friends. You have to slow down and make time for friends. You have to make time for the people that you want to do life with. And it's the same with God. If you Listen, if you want God to be your closest friend, you're going to have to slow down and make time for God. If you want to have a deep, intimate relationship with God, if you want God to whisper to you, if you want God to talk to you, guess what? You're going to have to make time for Him. Psalm 25, 14, one of my favorite verses says, God friendship is for God worshipers. What's that mean? Friendship with God is reserved for those who spend time with God. Friendship with God. I don't know about you, but I want to be God's friend. If the creator of the world deems me worthy of being his friend, I want to be his friend. I want, to be, I want God, when history is done, I want him to look and say, Chad Blancett was my friend. Chad Blancett was my confidant. Well, if I want to be God's friend, guess what I have to do? I have to seek God. I have to put time in with God. God friendship is reserved for God worshipers. Listen to what it goes on. It says, to those are the ones he confides in. What's that mean? The ones that God speaks with, the one that God communes with, the one that God says, hey, here's what's happening in this world. They are his friends. You know the problem in this world? Most of us, we don't know God. God doesn't speak to us. God doesn't whisper to us. We just make decisions. I'm speaking about pastors and church people alike. We don't know God. We're not God's friend. Why? Because we don't spend time with God. If all you do is come to church on Sunday mornings, can I tell you, you will never be a close, intimate friend of God. Some of you, you come to church once every four months and you wonder, why is my relationship with God struggling? Why? Because you haven't made God priority in your life. And please hear me, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to attack anyone. I'm just trying to speak what God has been putting in my heart for the past several weeks. Destiny Church, God wants to be our friend. God wants to be your friend, not just mine, not just the worship teams. God wants to be your friend. God wants to talk to you just as clearly as he talks to me. But we have to get close. We have to spend time with him. How do we spend time with God? Well, we've got to get in the word. Too many believers aren't in the Word. If you're not reading the Word, if the only time you hear the Word is when it's put on a screen on the stage, listen to me. Man, you're never going to have an intimate relationship with God. I want to challenge you. Read God's Word every day. Every day. Seven days a week, 365 days a year on leap year 366. I have two kids that were born in leap years. Both of them's due date was February 29th. You know, it was weird. But I mean, but, but you got to get in the Word. It's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. If you're waiting for God to speak audibly to you and really loud to you, there's more than a 100% chance it's probably not going to happen too much. You know how I've made most of my decisions in life? is through the Word. The Word speaks to me. The Word is a lamp. The Word is a light. The Word shows us what to do, what's right, what's wrong. The Word speaks to me about vision. You've got to get in the Word. If you're not in the Word, you're not going to hear God speak to you. Students, if you want to make a difference in your school, I've heard some of you say, hey, I want to make a difference. I want to be what God's called me to be. It's not going to happen when all you do is sit in the seat on Sunday and get fired up a little bit and go out to school on Monday or Tuesday. Guess what? If you're not in the Word and if you're not putting it inside your heart, please hear me today. Talk about being a friend of God. I want to be God's friend. Well, guess what? I've got to read. If I don't talk to my wife, I'm not going to be her friend. If all I want with her is just intimate husband and wife moments, but there's nothing else 
Eventually, we're going to fade apart. It's the same thing with Christians. If all I want to do is come to church on Sunday mornings and feel good and raise my hands and then live my life, guess what? I'm going to fall apart from God. Got to be in the Word. Number two, another thing I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to journal. Pastor Chad, what do you mean? I'm not a writer. Journal. No, I'm talking about writing down. What's God saying to you? That's why I'm encouraging you to take notes. I, I think the greatest win in Destiny Church, if I looked out on a Sunday morning and every last person was taking notes. Why? Because I, that's how we remember. That's how we retain things. We've got to put not only the word, but what's God saying to your heart. What's God whispering to you? Write it down. Because if you're like me, I mean, there's been moments where like, God's whispered something to me. I'm thinking, I'll write that down when I get home. And I get home, and guess what? I forgot. Because I didn't take time in that moment. So now I try to always have a journal or my phone or something where I can write down, what's God saying to me? Number three is you've got to spend time in prayer. If you don't spend time in prayer every day of your life, you're going to be weak. And I'm not talking about King James prayers. You know, I'm not talking about where you're saying a bunch of they's and thou's and these and thus's. I'm, talking about, I'm talking about talking to God like I'm talking to you. Talk to God like he's a friend. An authentic conversation. An authentic conversation where you just talk to God like he's your friend. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says it this way. Pray all the time. I, I, I've seen too many people where they start off their day with prayer and it's like 15 minutes, an hour, and they're good. And they go throughout the day. That's great. If, that, if you pray like that, that's awesome. You've started somewhere. But don't stop there. Maintain constant conversation throughout the day. Talk to God. Hey, when you're making a decision, God, what do you want? When you're driving down the road, God, what are you thinking here? And just have a conversation with God. Maintain conversation. I'm not talking about bowing your head in your office or in your hallway and walking through the halls. Oh, Jesus, touch. Guess what? They're going to think you're a freak. I'm not saying do that. I'm not talking about drive down the road with your eyes closed praying. Guess what? You're going to have a wreck. Some of us, we close our eyes when you drive, but that's a different story. When you're behind the wheel, you can talk to God without closing your eyes. I'm talking about just maintain conversation conversation with God. When you're making a decision for work, when you're making a decision for your school, when you're making a decision, to, when you're taking a test, whatever it might be, just maintain conversation with God. Number four, talking about here ways that we can spend more time with God. Number four, you need to learn how to fast. Scripture tells us in different places that people are dealing with things that says this kind comes out only by prayer and by fasting. Some of you, you need to pray and fast. In fact, I'm calling our church to a fast beginning tomorrow, August 5th through the 18th. I'm asking everybody in this church to pick one thing to fast. Psalm 27.7 or Psalm 27.4 is the kind of the crux of this, fa this fast. It says, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's my one thing. I want to be in God's house. I want to be God's friend. But guess what? I sometimes have things that stand between me and God. So I'm wondering today, as you're seeking the one thing, what is the one thing that stands in your way? And that's what I want you to fast over the next 14 days. Whether you fast it one day, three days, five days, 14 days. But I'm wanting you to identify what is that thing that continues. And if you're like me, I've got more than one thing that stands in between me and God. But if, it, if I boil things down, it oftentimes comes to one thing. So I'm encouraging you over the next 14 days, fast one thing. Be it food, be it television, be it social media, be it alcohol, be it, be it whatever it might be. If there's that one thing that stands in between you and God, I'm challenging you. Fast that. And then on Sunday night, August 18th, we're going to have a night of worship in this church. And I'm telling you, I believe God's going to show up. And we're not talking about a little Sunday. We have good worship on Sunday mornings, but I'm not talking about worship like that. I'm talking about we're going to go after God and we're going to seek His face. And we're going to pray over every need. We're going to pray over our students. We're going to pray over our kids. We're going to pray over families. We'll pray over teachers. And we're going 
going to believe that God's going to show up. But mark that on your calendar, Sunday night, August 18th. It's in your sermon guide. But be prepared. Come for a, pr- a powerful night of worship, but fast, all right? So number one, make God your ultimate priority. Number two, slow down and be quiet. And number three, and I'm moving. I'm, I know, hey, I told you I've been gone a long time, but i got a lot to say today. We're almost done. Hang in there. I promise you I'm almost done. Number three, you're going to have to choose. Do I want to be a friend of God or do I want to be a friend of the world? You have to choose. You can't have it both ways. Do I want to be a friend of God or a friend of the world? You have to decide. And if I, and if I can be honest with you, I think the church, I think as believers, we want to have it both ways. We want to have our cake and eat it too. We want, to be, we want to be Christians. We want to be believers. We want the benefits of Christianity. We don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven. And for those of you in this room that wonder, we as a church, we believe heaven is real and hell is real. Heaven is a place where you go when you say yes to Jesus and you live for him. Hell is a place of separation where we go and we don't follow God. God doesn't send us to hell. We make our own choices and we end up in hell. That's how scripture teaches and that's what we believe. But I don't want to serve Jesus just so I can go to heaven. I want to serve Jesus today so I can have the life that I was created to live. But many of us, we want to have Christianity, and we want the benefits of Christianity, but we also want to be friends of the world, and we want the benefits of the world. We want to fit in. We want to belong. We don't want people to make fun of us. We want to enjoy life. We want to enjoy all that life throws at us, and we don't want to stand out. We don't want anybody to think, but listen to me, you have to make a decision. My friend of God or my friend of the world as believers, and please hear me, and I know this is right in your face, but I feel this very strongly. A lot of times as believers, we want to straddle the fence, one foot in the world and one foot in God's house, and we want to fit in in both places. Can I tell you, in the end, it doesn't work out, and you're miserable. Choose. I love what James 4, 4 says, and this is like as direct as it can be, and if you get mad at this verse, God wrote it, not me. So, all right? You should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. Hello? Do what? No, it continues. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Let me give you some clarity. Some people say, well, what's that mean? Because in John 3.16 it says, for God so loved the world. That's great. He did. When it speaks of John 3.16, God so loved the world, it's talking about the people. It's talking about the people that God loves. But in James 4.4, it's not talking about the people. It's talking about the value system of the world. If you love the value system of the world, what's the value system of the world? Materialism, pleasure, get what I can get, success, prestige, popularity, blending in, fitting in, tolerance, acting like everyone else. It's saying when you value that above God, you're not a friend of God. You're actually the opposite. You become an enemy of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be God's enemy. I want to be God's friend. I want to be God's friend. And I love what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15. If you decide it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve. And I love what he says. Get off the fence. Do it today. Choose. You're in this room today. And that's my challenge in this room today. If you're sitting here today and you're deciding, do I serve God or the world? Choose today. Pick a side. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I know this much. As for the Blancet house, we choose God. And number four, and I close, talking about ways to build a friendship with God. Number four, and this is a tough one, and it's been one I've had to walk through, and one of my family's had to walk through. We've had to learn this one, I guess you could say the tough way, but number four, you've got to trust God in your pain. Trust God in your pain. Every friendship you see is built on trust. If you don't trust somebody, listen to me, they are not your friend. I've seen people that are, I've counseled people, they are married, they love each other, but they don't trust each other. Guess what? They don't have a marriage any longer. Trust is the bedrock of every strong 
relationship. And it's true of God as well. You have to trust God. You have to trust God. When things don't make sense, trust God. When the world around you is caving in, trust God. When life doesn't feel fair, trust God. When you're discouraged and you're depressed and you're overwhelmed, trust God. When life's throwing you curveball after curveball, trust God. When friends are leaving your side, trust God. When the money's not as much as you think it should be, trust God. When your son or your daughter is a prodigal and they're running from God, trust God. When you get to the doctor and the doctor says you have cancer, trust God. When your family member dies and it doesn't make sense, trust God. Trust God in the midst of your pain. That's how you build a friendship with God. Trust God. Too many of us, we get bitter and we get angry. Listen to me. I'm not saying don't ask God questions. I'm not saying don't feel human emotion. I, try, I, I ask God questions. I've got angry of God. I've said, God, this doesn't make sense. I've felt human emotion. I've felt pain. I've felt frustration. But I can tell you, at the end of every day, even in the midst of moments of anger, I still lay my head on my pillow at night and say, you're still God. Trust God. Psalm 55, 22 says this, cast all your cares on God and he will sustain you. Listen, it doesn't say cast your cares on him and he'll fix all your problems. But it says he will sustain you. John 16, says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, he has overcome the world. What's it mean when it says cast all your cares on him? I love how the message Bible says this, pile your troubles on God's shoulders. God's big enough to handle your pain. I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know what your pain is today. I don't know all that, but I do know the answer. You know what the answer is? His name is Jesus. I don't know the hurt. I don't know the pain. I don't know the depth. I don't know the despair. But I do know somebody that can handle it. His name is Jesus. And he says, give me all your troubles, and I'll sustain you. I'll care for you. I'll walk with you. I'll be that friend that sticks closer than a a brother. Lay your problems on God's shoulders. He can handle it. And I close with this one, Psalm 91, 14. I'll get you out of your trouble, God says. And I'll give you the best of care if you'll only get to know me and trust me.